men in this society are taught from a very young age, yeah, don't talk about your feelings. Don't be weak. Be strong. The only solution when it comes to our people, the mm. only solution is revolution. I'm going to be really honest with you. We need systematic change. That's what really needs to happen. And the only way to get systematic change is to overturn the current system. Because okay. I'm sick and tired of us diminishing who we are as women to fit in to a society that doesn't serve us. I'm really sick and tired of that. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another insightful episode. I'm your host, Grace Hopper, for Raza, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. Men in the Black community are told from an early age to repress their emotions. This, in turn, is a result of the systematic oppression that these men have faced all their lives and reinforces a deeply entrenched toxic masculinity. The inevitable anger and pain felt by these men manifests itself in a lack of confidence, self-destruction and suicide. To exacerbate the problem, the existing societal power structures attacks black families, resulting in black men taking out their aggression on women. This reductive male attitude inevitably results in a sociopolitical system that ultimately does nothing to empower black women. Instead, they have to conform to a role in society that has been created for them by both the society they inhabit and the black men in their lives. History is full of the oppressed becoming the oppressors, yet, despite this, faith maintains an optimistic view of the future. Faith points out that the oppression black men have been subjected to over hundreds of years have created perpetrators out of victims, and the object of their misogynistic aggressions are women, particularly, but not exclusively black women. She is correct in denoting that the attitude of black men can only change when they have the confidence to treat black women as equals and discard their toxic masculinity. Today, I have the delectation of introducing Faith Agbar Butler, a domestic violence advocate, a youth ambassador for Waltham Forest, an entrepreneur. She is the CEO of Essence by Faith, an undergraduate. Welcome, Faith Agbar Butler. Thank you. Thank you very much, Grace, for having me um, and for the opportunity to come and speak. Can you tell me a bit about yourself? You're a youth ambassador as well as an advocate for domestic violence. Tell me what this entails. Okay, so yeah, as you said, my name is Faith and um, my youth work, the, the work that I do is basically around youth advocacy. So um, I work with various different organisations like uh, Waltham Forest Council, Greater London Authority, NELFT, which is a mental health organisation. And I also work for my university, which is Goldsmiths, and I study applied social science youth and community work. Um, and basically what it entails is 
um, youth engagement. So speaking to young people, making sure their voices are heard, um, influencing policy um, and people who put on programs or services for young people, they will come to us and they will say to us like, uh, what do you think? What do you, we're, we're basically the voice of the youth in certain spaces. But I also have a business called Essence by Faith. Um, Essence by Faith, I, with that I sell natural hair products and I also do workshops with young black women that are around um, personal development and also teaching them about our hair. Um, and I have a charity called Life Behind Sickle Cell, which is a support group for um, people that have sickle cell. Uh, you're an entrepreneur. How have you been able to combine all this with your studies or what you, you're doing at the moment with your studies? Okay, so everybody asks me that question a lot because um, people, they're like, wow, like you do so many things. My business links with my degree. Everything that I do, they link together. And that's basically how, it's the reason why I'm doing everything that I'm doing. So um, in regards to the degree, I actually want to turn my business into a big organization. Um, okay. And that's the reason why I'm studying what I'm studying because it's gonna teach me how to do that and teach me about the particular field that I want to work in. So they complement each other. Also, my the jobs that I have, they're very, very flexible. So that's how I'm able to do everything at the same time. Because of all the things that I do, I have to be very, very organized. And even today, the reason why I was not on time is because I was coming back from a business program called Year. And one of the things I do struggle with is time management. So I have to make sure that I dedicate certain days to different things that um, I plan out my week, I plan out my months and things like that. That's how I have to stay on top of everything. And sometimes it can be very difficult. So, but yeah, the main thing is balance and you know, making sure that I've organized my time well. I hope that that answers the question. Yeah, it does. I mean, you've just told us now that you delegate different times for different things that you do. You're yeah. able to manage it successfully. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why is it um, youth don't talk about abuse, the experience, or about unhealthy relationships or mental health issues they, they encounter with their parents, caregivers, or professionals who can help? Okay, so I think the reason why young people don't talk about what they're going through is there's a number of reasons. Okay. The first one is being that they feel as though nobody will care. The second one being that nothing will change if they do talk about what it is that they've experienced. And also, um, it depends on the, the people, the particular people who is available to help them. So for an example, if 
a young person feels as though they cannot trust a teacher or a professional or whatever, if they don't have, if they, if that professional hasn't built up that relationship with that young person to make the young person feel comfortable enough to tell them what's going on, then they won't, they just won't talk about it. They would rather go to people who they can trust. So I think the big reason is it's all about trust. It's all about trust and it's all about change because we usually don't do anything unless there's going to be a significant or any type of change. Um, so I think that we've got to make sure that these professionals, and a lot of the time, the abuse can be coming from professionals and teachers. I've seen students be get their confidence torn down in the classroom, being told that they're dumb and they can't do certain things. You know, so I feel like it's on an institutional level. The way how things are set up is that people are put, there are certain people, I call them gatekeepers, yeah? Mm -hmm. And the gatekeepers are the people that are put into certain positions to maintain the status quo, to maintain the inequality. And young people know this. Some of us are quite clued up and we know what's going on and we can also just feel it like I don't know if you've experienced it but have you ever been in school and you've really connected with a teacher or you can just feel that that teacher is really passionate and really care about about what they're what they're doing has that ever happened Yes, I have experienced it. And it, yeah. when when such lecturers or teachers are passionate, and I mean, it infiltrates through yeah. the, the other students, you pick up the vibe. So it's a positive vibe. So you really want to do your best to make sure you pass the course. Exactly. Exactly, Grace. You hit the nail on the head. So we now, we are going to feel that energy from you. And it actually motivates us to, to do our best, to talk to you if we're going through something, because there's that, there's that ability to build trust, right? Because we can see that you're genuine. Some of these people that are in these positions, they're not even genuine. They're there for different reasons other than coming into that position with pure intentions and with a passion to, to want young people to do well. And, and I feel like, that's those are the main reasons why we wouldn't like talk about these things okay so you know does that mean certain youths don't trust their parents as well it depends on the relationship that they have with their parents so um if a young person has a great relationship with their parents, then they probably, they may still have some anxiety about telling them certain things that are going on for them, but it would definitely make it a lot easier for them to say, this is what I'm going through. If they don't, then they're gonna go to the person who they feel is the closest thing to my parents or the people who I feel I can trust and speak to about any of my problems. So it really depends on the relationship that they have with their parents. So it's the relationship as well as the trust. Trust is key in any yeah. relationship. Yeah. 
Okay. So it's been documented youths, especially males in the UK, are committing suicide or are suicidal. What do you think are factors responsible for this? And how can this be eradicated? Okay, so this is a topic that rarely gets talked about. I think in the recent years, it's been spoken about more. And um, thank you for asking the question. Men in this society are taught from a very young age, yeah? Don't talk about your feelings. Don't be weak, be strong. They're taught that from young. So they are, especially in our community, in the black community as well, you're not supposed to talk, as a man, you're not supposed to talk about your feelings. And what another thing that boys are also told as well, boys don't cry, don't cry. Mm. Don't cry like a little girl. Don't do this, don't do that, yeah? So those are the types of things that these men are growing up with. So now when they get to adulthood or when they get to a teenager and having to deal with all of these emotions, they don't know how because they've always been told to suppress their emotions. And that anger or that pain that they're holding on to, it comes out in many different ways. And some of it, most of the time, can be self-destructive. And I think that engineering from young has definitely brings in a factor into why the suicide rate is high. But I also can't talk about it without talking about the systematic oppression that black men face, yeah? Because we live in a society the whole, the whole world, not even, I'm not just going to talk about England, but the whole world is on a paradigm with our African, Caribbean, those who are black, I'm speaking about everybody. They we're on a paradigm right now. Yeah. So the whole world benefited from the enslavement of Africans. Okay. Every, every group of people on earth, apart from blacks, benefited from that. Yeah. So mm. that means that the wealth and the systems and the economy that is built in all infrastructures across the world were built on the backs of slaves. So therefore, as a black man in this in this world, mm. you are that system is built on the ability, on wanting you to fail, basically. Okay. And that system is called racism. That's what I'm talking about. Systematic oppression, racism. Every single infrastructure in the world has that embedded into their nation, right? So with that being said, I'm gonna take it back to England. Due to the oppression and the systems that are put in place to keep blacks oppressed in this country, that could that could um, that could manifest by unemployment or you know living in poverty, not being able to 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 fulfill your 
your full self because everything around you is designed for you to fail yeah so you've now got to go into this world and figure out how do Mm. I make it not only that but the system should I say the power structure attacks us at different levels so first Mm. there's the attack on the black family our family structures have been attacked to the point where less of us are getting married less of us are you know in two parent households that's going to have an impact on masculinity and also the attack on masculinity in general when people use the word toxic masculinity right to a degree i get it but being a man being masculine is something that is a natural form of 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 being a human being so a man being um typically typical male behaviors that i feel sometimes in the media is being demonized yeah so you know wanting to provide to your family or the the physical strength or there are certain things that i think are are demonized about men, black men I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm gonna get onto other men as well. Um, And it's just oppression. And I feel like from where I am or where I grew up, especially talking about the family structure when that's not together, that causes a lot of issues. And I feel like with all of these issues combined, all of them beginning with with racism, all of them beginning with systematic oppression, and then not only that, but a lot of it is just to do with poverty as well, just not having enough to, to, to survive, you know? So I feel like those are the reasons that, you know, the suicide rate in men, black men, are is 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 ridiculously high. They're linked to socio-economic, political reasons as well as the everyday struggles that you're going to go through anyway, just living in the world. So, in essence, you're saying that the men feel they are not enough as an alpha male because of so many factors, socio-economic factors, the racism um Um, education and things like that i think that they are not given the chance and the opportunity to 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 thrive the way how they should be given and i think that's what and all of those factors that you mentioned socio-economic racism and all of those other structures that are about that's what is making us that's what's making them commit suicide as, as well as all the other struggles that you're going to go through I think yeah and then moving on from that another thing that I realized I was discussing this at uni with my friends is that also a lot of like middle-aged white men who are wealthy they're rich they're sorted out for life they also 
commit suicide. They've got a high suicide rate. And me and my friend was talking about this because I was thinking, what the hell? Like, you lot have it all. You literally run the world. Why are you committing suicide? And we realised us, people that come from nothing, people that are poor, people that are, you know, in really horrible facing, was dealt a very bad card in life, yeah? Survivors of oppression or trauma or pain or whatever because we have had to literally be in survival mode we've had to build emotional and mental resilience to life in order to survive because if you didn't do that you're not getting anywhere yeah so due to that factor when things certain things came our way we'd already our brain is already been designed to deal with whatever problems that we're going to have to deal with because we've been doing it our whole life and now we've trained ourselves how to survive, yeah? However, these middle-aged white men, because they've had a smooth sailing life, they've never had to deal with adversity or, you know, like they've, they haven't had to go through what we have to go through because things have just been handed to them. So when all of a sudden a problem does happen, they don't know how to handle it. So what we may think is a minor problem, that is also, um, that issue is big to them to the point where they feel like I can't solve it, I'm gonna end my life. But that could be many different things, but we also, we discussed that as well. Now, I don't have the exact statistics, but I know that it came up in a conversation that I had with somebody in uni, and they said that their suicide rate is high um, as well. The only solution, when it comes to our people, the mm. only solution is revolution. I'm going to be really honest with you. If the whole world is built on our oppression, then when we stand up, they're gonna fall down. Because you can't have you can't have it both ways because of the, the systems and structures all over the all over the world, right? That's just how it is. It's the politics at the moment. So we need systematic change. That's what really needs to happen. And the only way to get systematic change is to overturn the current system. But before we get to that, the black family structure needs to come back into play. Young black boys need to grow up with, with black men in, in their household or in their life, yeah? We need infrastructure in our communities. We need to have that, we need to be a community. I feel like black London as it stands, we're not a community anymore, we're individuals. We don't unify the way we used to unify back in the day. And I feel like once we start to get back to our history and our culture and knowing who we are as a people and coming together as a community, building back our families, building infrastructure to serve our communities, we won't have um, high rates uh suicide rates in men you know why because we would have put things in place 
to make sure that our men are getting what they need from birth till an adult. We wouldn't have unemployment because we would have built up our community so much that we're now employing each other. Okay. So I think, and another thing I wanted to say is there are organizations out there in the UK, in London, that are doing amazing things for the community. There's a movement right now called Black Men for Change. Quiet water runs deep, yeah? I don't know if I said that right, but they're moving very quietly, but they're making a they're making a big, massive impact. Everybody that's listening, I really do encourage you to to research Black Men for Change. It is a it is a powerful movement that's going on. They are building infrastructure for the Black community. Yeah, they are putting on programs and actually strategically working to to build infrastructure in our community and we need that very much there's also spark to life they do amazing work in the community working with um people who young people who um are involved in the criminal justice system they offer um like holistic support for them Okay. And there's also Elba, East London Business Alliance. They are for everybody. They're for all young people and they offer different programs. They're funded by the corporate world, but they run programs such as mentoring and um, getting people into employment. Um, yeah, I think that is, uh, th- those are, that's the start. That's the beginning of what we want to see. Thank you so much, um, Faith, uh, for also detailing some of these organizations that are out there helping uh, black men or young black men. So do you think there is, or do you think there are social or political reasons why young black women lack confidence in the way they dress, wear their hair and do their makeup? Um. I think there are social and political reasons as to why we do the things that we do, but I think I would like a little bit more clarity on that question. If you could explain a little bit more. Take for example, some women, young women or women generally, black women, they want to look a certain way because they feel they're not acceptable due to the, uh, like you do natural hair. They believe if they they wear that natural hair, they cannot fit in. Mm -hmm. So that's why I asked the question, are there social or political reasons why they lack this confidence, you know, that they need to look a certain way for them to be acceptable instead of wearing their natural Afro hair and looking good? Maybe they feel intimidated if they don't fit in the European way? Excellent question. Yes, there is definitely social and political reasons why we are, we do the things that we do. Right, that question that you just asked me is part of the reason why I started my business. Because I'm sick and tired of us 
diminishing who we are as women to fit in to a society that doesn't serve us. I'm really sick and tired of that. If we only knew who we are and we took that time to really educate ourselves on who we are, what a black woman is, what a black woman embodies, what a black woman, the science of, a, of the black woman, we would be thriving despite the, the, the racism and oppression. But I wanna draw your attention to this book. It's called The Conspiracy to Destroy Black Women by Michael Porter. This guy hit the nail on the head with everything. He broke it all the way down from our relationships to history, to culture. To, I'm, in fact, I'm gonna read this book again, but if, any black woman um, listening to this, Please, 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 yeah? Leaders are readers. Leaders are readers. Please get the book, The Conspiracy to Destroy Black Women. It will open up your eyes and your mind to what is the reason why it is the way that it is. And can you tell us the name of the author again, please? Uh, Michael Porter. Michael Porter. So... Right, I've got to talk about history before, in order to get into this topic. So I'm gonna take it back all the way thousands, millions, millions of years ago before slavery, before colonialism, before when Africa was a united kingdom, was a united continent. So, there is evidence to show that the first human being on earth, the first embodiment of, of God on earth was a black woman. All you have to do is go and onto, onto Google, type in Lucy, I think is what they called her. Her remains, the oldest human remains was found in Ethiopia which is East Africa, right? And so that means when God created the first human being, the first expression of God on earth was a black woman. So in history, in our culture, black women were held in high esteem. You could never... If you disrespected a black woman back in the day, that could mean the end of your life. You will die, you will be killed by somebody, right? Black women were leaders in our communities. We raised armies, yeah? We also nurtured and provided for our communities. And we was held strongly our relationship with the most high is what really paved the way for the nations the nation building right and we had something called a queenship it's the metaphysical embodiment of all women everywhere yeah so it's not a physical thing it's a psychological spiritual and mental thing that is a queenship okay and a queenship can take you everywhere and anywhere that you need to go. So we went from being 
that, yeah, being emperor, empresses and leaders and queens, even black women who weren't necessarily leading a nation, they were still lead, they might be chief of a village or some or something, or we just had a lot of respect. We gave a lot, we received a lot from our communities. Now, when Africa heard of the suffering that was going on in different nations across the globe, what did we do? We went to their countries and we helped them, civilized everywhere in peace. And Africans were the only nations to civilize the whole world without war. So what other nations did going into other nations and um, killing people, raping people, enslaving people. There's no record of Africans enslaving anybody. So we civilized the whole world in peace, yeah? So whilst doing that and other nations were came to Africa to study, to do this, to do that, while we're helping them, they're seeing what we have and that's building jealousy. So, and the thing is, Africans, we knew what was gonna happen. We knew what was gonna happen because we was told, because we were, we are very highly spiritual people, right? So we knew, but we didn't take heed to that, to, to, to what we was told, right? So after slavery, then slavery happened. And the first people to actually enslave Africans were Arabs. They weren't Europeans. A lot of people don't know this, but they were Arab people, right? They came and they enslaved Africa. Um, and that really was the beginning of the dismantling of our queenship, right? That was where our natural feminine energy, our essence as black women was now being attacked and destroyed. We were being raped, we were being killed, even before we was put on the ships, we was being raped and killed in masses. And it was the psychological breakdown of the black woman, which is explained so eloquently in this book. And the systems that then took place, the transatlantic slave trade and all the systems that are in place now, yeah, that have only ever just repositioned themselves, but were designed to, re to produce the, the, the results that we are now seeing now. Those systems were built off of our oppression. So, Fast forward, the system is designed to make us believe that we are inferior people, right? That we are put here to serve, that we are nothing. And remember, Africa had matriarchal societies, societies where women were leaders, right? Other nations didn't have that. In, in um, ancient Europe and ancient um, Asia, right? 
and eight, oh, I watched a, a video about um, Arabic history the other day because I was interested to know what was their history like before Islam. Women were seen as less than your shoe, right? Women were not, you're not nothing if you're a woman. Who are you? What do you, you're, you're not nothing, yeah? So that whole um, patriarchal system is now what has implemented and resulted in us being and behaving in the way that we do now. Because when we was enslaved, that is when patriarchy came to Africa. All of a sudden, the idea that a woman is less than a man was introduced to our people. So we got patriarchy, you're hated because you're a woman and you're seen as less than, and now you're hated because you're black, right? So all of the systems that were put in place was there to make us feel that we are less and therefore we need to do more. We are less, we are less, so we need to do more. You need to work harder. You need to look this way. You need to behave in this manner. And you know what else you need to do? You need to shut up. We don't want to hear your opinion. We don't want to hear nothing you have to say. Do as you are told and don't make any noise. That's that's what we're dealing with now, right? No, that's what we was dealing with back then. Now there has been some advances to, um, you know, women and female empowerment, which we're hearing about more recently. But the reason, the socioeconomics behind why we behave the way that we do is simply because, right, all of the systems put in place is designed to make us hate ourselves and to make us fail. That's what it is, right? So our hair and our appearance, we've got to now fit in to a system that doesn't serve us. So the European beauty standards that is put on us, right? The, all of it is just, you need to look a certain way now. Your natural hair, in slavery, you know what they did? They made us, because our hair was so beautiful, is so beautiful, they made us tie our head the way that my hair is tied now. Because the slave master's wife was jealous of the black woman because that's who the slave master wanted to sleep with. So we had to tie our head. That didn't help because we were too, still too attractive. That's not got nothing to do with us. That's just who we are as women. That's our whole history and culture. So I think now is just a different position, but it's the same thing. We have to fit in. And there are stories of women who I've met who said, you know, when I go to work, I have to, I feel like I need to straighten my hair. I need to put on weave or whatever so that people can take me seriously. And it's just, it's just crazy to me because you're not doing anything. This is how our hair is. It's always been this way. Like it's this way for a reason. But I think 
you know, we need to we need to come together and we need to build up the queenship and we need to start to really value and appreciate ourselves. We need to root ourselves in our history, in our culture and in whatever belief system that we follow. But in all that we do, we need to activate it. We've got to be, we've got to build up our racial identity, right? That is crucial. If you want to survive, you need to know who it is that you are. And to know who you are, you need to know your race. Everybody else knows their race. Everybody else knows. We need to know these things, right? So we've got to build ourselves up. And we need to come together and we need to unite and we need to relight our our purpose and our essence. And we need to start wearing our hair natural. I know we don't want to hear this because we make all of these excuses, oh, as long as this is that. You've got to love yourself. And part of loving yourself is loving yourself as you are without no, no makeup, no nothing, as you are. That's where it starts. It starts within you. So self-love, in essence. Yeah. Okay. There's a new law now that has been passed in the United States of America. It's called Crown. It's um, allowing women, colored women, especially Africans, Afro-Americans, to wear the hair, the natural hair, the way they want to yes. work to any other place. Have you heard of that um, legislation? Okay. Yes. So in essence, we should embrace our culture, embrace who we are, embrace our traditions, embrace our natural capabilities, be it our hair, be it our makeup, be it, be it the, uh, the tattoos, the, the paintings or coloring we put on our skin that represents or that shows we are Africans, that shows our race and we should embrace it and come together and appreciate it as a people. Yes, and also I want to say today is um, Independence Day for Somalia today. So um, I don't know when people are going to be watching this, but it's the 1st of July, which is Somalia Independence Day. I'm actually wearing their colours. I didn't think about this, you know, I just said I want to wear blue, but happy independence to anybody who's listening, who's Somali. Um, but I think they they do embrace their culture. I've never met a Somali person that doesn't know their language or just doesn't have a clue, basically. I think they, they really, um, they set an example and I feel like I wish, especially Caribbeans as well, I wish that we basically operated the way that Somalis do because they move as one community, as one united community. And that's something that I really admire about them. I think you've actually answered the next question I wanted to uh, put forward. The question was, do young black women need help? in order to promote and encourage themselves through their hair and appearance. Yeah, and I think that's what my that's what my business aims to do. The first thing that we need to do is we've got to learn who it is that we are. Because I'm telling you, it's dangerous as a woman 
to be in this life, in this time, in this era, and not know who you are. Because a lot of many, many things can happen to you when you're disconnected to your essence as a woman. And it hurts. So the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to learn our, learn who we are. We need to learn about our history and culture and we need to learn about ourselves, our habits, our family history, our traits, our, we got to know. Because there's two parts of, of learning who you are. You've got race, history and culture and you've got you. So that is your personal self, everything to do with you, right? Well, the reason why you make the life choices that you make, the reason why you um, think the way that you think, your ideologies, you, that's you, that's away from your um, physical, your nation and your culture, right? That's what we got to do. Once we've done that, we then will start to go through what I would say is a decolonization process. Be aware of the ideas that we carry about ourselves. And the, the, our inner voice, right? Be aware of that and decolonize. Decolonize and re-Africanize yourself. That's what we've got to do. After we've done that, we've got to come together We've got to unite. I'm sick and tired of us tearing each other down, fighting each other, calling out um, each other's... Why are we doing this? At the end of the day, you're just making yourself look... You're not, you're not representing yourself right. You're not profiling right, as my mother would say. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not. So, we, you know, we've got, to, we've got to come together. There's two movements that I want to start. And one is called Burn the Fake Hair. When I, when I get to where I want to be in my business, I'm going to have a bonfire night. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to stand in a circle around a fire and we're going to get all the weave, yeah, and all the fake hair that we use, the relaxers. We've got to be careful with that because lighting up a relaxer that could cause an explosion because of the harmful chemicals in there but everything put it in the middle and burn it the reason we would do that is to represent the psychological end of the of the disembodiment of 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 who we are imagine you're you're, you're sewing and and the thing is yeah do what you want to do as a woman. Your, it's your life, it's your choice. But when a black woman doesn't know who she is, right, and doesn't love herself, and you take hair, you don't know where that hair's come from because hair carries energy, and you sew it into your own head and wear it because you feel inferior. Do you, do you know how sad? That's heartbreaking to me. That's heartbreaking. And then we've got skin bleaching as well. You're literally killing yourself to look white or light or white, however, however you're trying to look. And that's heartbreaking. 
So we need the revolution of the self. The revolution of the self. That's what we need. And um, yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. So in part, uh, you're saying that we should imbibe, we should love ourselves, we should love who we are, our race, our culture, our traditions, our customs. And also, um, there's a very powerful queen that I love with all of my heart and soul and life force energy. Her name's Hiba Wardell. She's a um, FGM survivor. She's a campaigner. She's an activist. She's a human rights activist. Um, and she's Somali as well. She's from, yeah, she's from Mogadishu. And FGM is something that is normal in, that was, that is normal in Somali culture. They didn't see it as anything, right? It's just a normal thing. It's a rights of passage. That never sat right with her, with Hiba. So she fought she fights to even today she fights ferociously to put an end to that and a lot of her community saw it as you're breaking our tradition you're going against our tradition but she wasn't due to her love for herself her people and her nation she was trying to show she's trying to show everybody especially her nation that this is not the way you're literally killing our, our, our women. Do you know how many women die due to, due to that process? And the thing what gets me is that it didn't originate from us. That was something, I did, some, I did a whole project on this at university, but when I did the research into the origins of FGM, which is some complex, complicated thing, complicated history, it was saying um, that especially in that part of Africa, yeah, they was enslaved by Arabs. And that is something that Arab people did to the women. So that's not even really your culture. It's something that was forced on you. But this is what I'm saying about decolonization. We, Africa never decolonized, ever. Okay. We, had, we, we have independence days, but culturally and psychologically and you know all of these things that we do these things even down to language like North Africa is basically French and Arab territory because the language there I think Algeria is mostly Arabic Morocco is Arabic those are not African languages you know so, yeah, but the, the point of, the reason why I mentioned Hibo is because she showed me that you can love your people and your nation. And sometimes due to that love, you may see a certain tradition or a certain thing that your people do that you don't think is right. That doesn't mean that you don't love them or that you don't love your culture or your nation, it means that because you love them, you think there needs to be a change. Mm -hmm. So 
although I'm saying that, yeah, we need to embrace um, our African culture, whatever, there are certain traditions that we hold that may have been forced upon us in a different time that is not healthy, that is not positive, that we may need to change going forward. You're quite right. I also have an, um, the pleasure of meeting an FGM advocate as well as an activist in the UK. Her name is uh, Sally Mata Bajri Knight. And so she works, I think she, she knows HIPO as well. I think uh, they are also fighting for the same cause, FGM. And she's from Senegal. So, yeah. What you're, you, you've actually said uh, something that it's quite um, important. There are some aspects of our culture that don't serve us. And so we need yeah. to do away with them. Okay. Yes. So that also leads me to this particular question. Are there excessive lifestyle influences that emanate from America that diminishes how young black women perceive themselves? I think you've actually answered a bit of the question. You talked about fake hair, wigs. You talked about a makeup, you know. Right. So American culture. They do, America and Britain like to pretend that they don't have a close relationship, but they are literally brother and sister. They couldn't be any closer than they are. So trends that happen in America does influence the UK. We see that in music. We see that in um, like clothes, fashion, TV, everything. You see it in every aspect. It, it, it influences us. Um, in terms of diminishing us, black women, I feel like that happens over here too. I don't think the American culture makes it any better but I feel as though there are certain things in America that happen that really makes us wake up to the situation that we and there are certain positive things that I think America does that we should do for an example I notice the black power movement in America it was also over here, but it's not as strong as over here. If I didn't do my history, I wouldn't know that there was a Black Panthers in the UK. Yeah? So I feel like certain structures that are Black African-American brothers and sisters have, we should embody that. But anything from that culture that doesn't serve us, which is nearly... A lot of it we should leave, but there are some very positive movements that happen in America that I think we should take. We should, we should um, embrace. We should embrace. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. So you don't see anything that's diminishing? Yes. Yeah, so I think, again, it's, I think it's the same everywhere, really. Um, but the white beauty standards, the, I can't think of anything specific though, but yeah, I feel like that does, it diminishes us because it, the thing is the system that I speak of is global. So okay. no matter where you are in the world, all systems were built to diminish us. So you can't thrive the way you should be able to thrive. So I think that, um, I think that it does, it does diminish because Although there are some positive things going on in that community that they do for themselves, they still suffer what we suffer. And because we, um, like, because their trends are so big over here, we take the negative and not the positive. So really more of the same. And, and I look at, I look at the people that we look up to, that some of the people from my generation look up to, like Megan B. Stallion and Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. We need to look at role models that are true to the people. The people are first, not the paycheck, right? Those are the type of women we need to look up to. Women like Hibo, women like the FGM survivor that you... Um, Sally Maxabachi, not, yeah. Yeah. Um, women like um, Zaza Ali, she, she does amazing things for her community. I'm not saying that the people I mentioned don't do anything positive, but their influence, they, and, and wonder sometimes, do they know how influential they are? You know, their songs, their lyrics, what they say. How about women like Oprah Winfrey? Oprah Winfrey is definitely a success story. Um, and she's done some positive things. But there are there are things out there are things to take from her. Um but I think there are women that are a lot more she she definitely is an example of success, but I wouldn't put her in the same, I wouldn't hold her in the same high esteem as I would hold somebody. And most of my heroes are historic okay. heroes, but I wouldn't put, because she's 
involved in certain things that don't resonate with me personally okay. you know is there a fair and positive representation of black women in uh, the media no i think anything positive we do it ourselves like for an example the natural hair movement the self-love self-care movement I think we did it ourselves, but it's not something you would see in the mainstream. What you see in the mainstream is what they want you to think about us and what they want us to think about ourselves. So they're only going to be feeding you negativity. You have to create your own positive social media. In fact, there should be, there should be a positive social media movement. That's what there should be. Um, Is it generally for everyone or just for black uh, people? Both, for everybody and for for black people. In films, we are over-sexualized so much. We are over-sexualized everywhere. Our body is literally put on show as if to say that we are less than human beings, right? And the people that they do praise and glorify are people that serve the system. So they will put a positive light on people who they have chosen for you to like, not necessarily people whose hearts belong to the people, our people, right? Um, And even in a lot of adverts, couples, which couples do you usually see? I see quite a lot that sometimes you have mixed race, sometimes you have a black a black man with a white woman. Right. And do you see the black man with a white woman and the black woman with a white man a lot? I see black men with white women together. I see minimally a, a black woman with a white man. But I've, how did you see um, black men and a black woman together in some of the right. adverts? Right. That's the point that I'm getting at. Why do you think that is in the media? Why are we constantly being shown black women and men with somebody who is not black? Because... they might feel having two black people together signifies strength. Oh my gosh. You said it. Unification of the black race. That's what I'm saying, right? So the media is, is, is designed to show you what they want you to see. They do not, they don't, they don't, um, promote black couples black love and black love is such a powerful thing 
because love is the highest frequency. There's no frequency, emotion, and nothing in this universe is stronger than love. Nothing. Nothing. Despite the evil and the catastrophic things that are going on in the world, nothing is stronger than love. So the first thing that they want to get across to you, the messaging, remember in media, media has political and social, um, political um, and social messages, right? Everything is political, everything, right? The smallest advert to, to a movie, there's signs and signals everywhere. There are, that, and they subconsciously tell you things without telling you things if that makes sense right so the reason why we are seeing less and less and less media representation of black couples black women doing great things for their communities is because they don't want you to 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 strive to achieve that so everything that they show you is going to be the opposite of that so if we want positive black women media coverage, we got to do it ourselves because the mainstream, they're just programming our minds. That's what they're about. And they're not going to program your mind to empower you. They're going to program your mind to disempower you. So like, they don't talk about the fact that um, black women are the growing entrepreneurs. Most entrepreneurs are black women at the moment, basically. Um, we're growing in that space. Where's the coverage for that? Where's the coverage of black women pulling themselves up out of poverty? Where's the coverage of black women um, teaching their children how to be a boss, how to own your own business, how to take care of your family? Where's that coverage? Instead, they want to show us naked or having sex with somebody or whatever they want to show us. So, in essence, you're saying that they objectify the female uh, species, especially yeah. the black females. Yeah. Yeah. And they only show us what they want us to, to think and what they want us to think of ourselves and what they want us to know. They don't show us anything that is empowering. And when when there is positive um, media, it's usually done in by other black people. Any any words of encouragement for our youths, both in the UK or in the world at large, or for our black youths? Yeah. So my word of encouragement. is do not let for, for my black women men children you're listening to me do not let racism be a barrier as to why you can't achieve what you want to achieve we know it's a barrier we know it's there but what i want to encourage all of you to do is to tap into yourself your energy, your characteristics to learn who it is that you are, learn about your history and culture, ground yourself in it, learn about your personal 
yourself, ground yourself in that. And once you've done that, there's nothing that is stopping you. There's nothing that is stopping you from achieving what it is that you want to achieve. Just be very sure about who you are. And there will come a day, there will come a day, there will come a day where we will rise and create nations, right? Stronger than ever before. And if you go back into our history and you saw what we built, you saw the infrastructure, the technology and all of that, everything that we built, imagine building something greater than that, greater than that. That's what's coming. So don't be discouraged by what you see. Go after what it is that you want. Life is hard, but if you continue to root yourself, root yourself spiritually every day. That's another thing I would say, root yourself spiritually every day. Now, if you don't believe in God, because not everybody believes in God. I feel like most black people do that. I haven't met, I've met only one black person that doesn't believe in God. But um, you've got to root yourself in something that is positive and something that is bigger, greater and grander than yourself, as Ian LeBanzard always says. And I want to leave you with a quote from Marcus Garvey that says, up, 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 you mighty race, you may accomplish what you will. Now, for the rest of everybody listening who isn't Black, I want to also encourage you guys to don't let, don't let anything that you've been through discourage you from getting to where you need to be in this world. Pain serves a purpose and you've got to tap into, you've got to tap into that You've got to use, you've got to draw strength from your pain to get to where you want to be in life. There are going to be barriers and obstacles, but there's nothing. You are the, you are the one that makes the final say on your life. You, nobody else can do it for you. So there's a lot of doom and gloom and negativity, but if you unleash your what's inside of you, there's no reason why you can't overcome. Thank you so much, Faith. So in essence, listeners, Faith wants you to tap into your inner power. Tap into your pain. Use it as a propellant to aspire for better things in your life, to get to the zenith of who you are, to achieve and to be successful. Thank you so much, Faith. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. There is another section of society that can undoubtedly benefit from faith's observations on the difficulties faced by black people. And that category is white people. And in the UK, that refers specifically to the white Britons. In a 2016 survey, over 60% of those interviewed most, if not all of which were white people, claimed that colonialism in general and the British Empire in particular was a benign force for the good. 
If that same survey had been undertaken in Anglophone Africa, India or the Far East, the answer would have probably been quite different. As faith makes clear, it was the North African Arab nations that first enslaved sub-Saharan Africans, but it was the Europeans in the 17th and 18th century who industrialized the activity into a transatlantic wealth generator for the colonial powers. The benefits of this historical endeavor are still evident in the West today, but not significantly in the former colonies, which continue to be impoverished by an economic model devised by the West. Therefore, those that require an education in their historic past are just as much white people with an inaccurate and myopic perception of the past as the black people living in their midst whose ancestors originated in the subdued land of the former empire, an empire which is still very much alive in the minds and subconsciousness of many white Britons to this day. For white people, it would have given meaning and resonance to the saying, we are here because you were there. If white Britons would open their minds to an objective history lesson that concentrates on more than just the kings and queens of England, then the accessions made by faith with regard to black people and the constant oppression they are subjected to will go some way towards rectifying the imbalance. Schools and other educational establishments have been involved in this for years and despite undoubted advancements could improve further. Yet the epicenter of reform that requires immediate attention will be the organization that is the predominant cause of conflict involving the black community, namely the police forces of the United Kingdom, their colleges of policing, a group of organizations that have been wanting for far too long. If you've enjoyed this show, kindly subscribe, comment, leave a review. It's been Grace Topper for Raza, rising above shadows of abuse. See you soon and take care. What are your thoughts towards this piece? If you've got any questions or inquiries, you can get in touch rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com our social media platforms rising above shadows of abuse at tiktok rising above shadows of abuse twitter rising above abuse youtube rising above shadows of abuse see you in the next episode and keep being positive take care rising above shadows of abuse in short Raza.